Congratulations. Hey, the week's already started out better than, um, than it could have, right? You could have uh, skipped, missed, slept in, but you're either here or you're watching online right now. And so way to go. And I, I want you to hear this. It means a lot that you're here. Like, I don't take for granted your presence here. I don't take for granted your participation online. Like, it means something. And God's going to speak to you today because he loves you. Okay. God speaks to you, not because a minister does a good job or not. He speaks to you because he loves you. I've heard some bad sermons. I've got some good stuff out of it. And if you've heard me preach for many years, you've done the same. You've heard some bad sermons and the Lord's, the Lord's brought good things out of it because he loves his people and his word is powerful. You saw that, uh, that mention of the Hendersonville prayer breakfast. That, that's really cool that that's starting again. We haven't done it in a few years, but you don't have to register because so many people tried to register. We broke the system. Hey, that's pretty cool, huh? So you might not, you might not get breakfast Thursday if you show up, but you'll get prayer. And that's kind of what it's about, right? I mean, I mean, biscuits and gravy is not going to save the nation, but prayer will. Can you say amen to that? I've never asked you to say amen before, but I did mentioning biscuits and gravy. I don't know what's up with that. Oh, I want to wish you a happy Easter. No, that's not a mistake. It's still Easter. We're in the middle of Easter tide season, the season of Easter that starts on Easter Sunday. And we're just, we're just looking at Jesus and his resurrection and the power of that. We do that all year long, but this is a special season where we take a long look. All right, if you're a cultural Christian, you take a short look. You know, just take a glance on Easter morning and move on. But as, as called believers who are called to formation, we're called to the Lord forming us as a people and forming us as individuals to reflect Christ. We, we're called to take a long look deep look at the resurrection. And, and that's the season we're in today. So I wish you a happy Easter. Uh, the main text today will be in Acts 9, but I want to start with a, a quick scripture in John chapter 21, verse 1. It says, after this, Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples by the sea of Tiberias. He revealed himself in this way. Now, you can go read John 21 another time. Here you'll find that he went fishing with his disciples. You'll find that he cooked them breakfast and ate with them. You'll find that he had a crucial conversation with Peter in which he really confronted Peter about, about Peter's call to feed sheep. I want you to see that from hearing this story, you can review it later in John 21. There's a variety of ways Jesus reveals himself. Because he reveals himself to different people in different manners. In different ways. In ways to connect with them. And today, I want you to see that Jesus is revealing himself to you. Jesus is revealing himself to you. And Paul is a great example of that because Paul is like us. He didn't see Jesus before the ascension, meaning before Jesus ascended into heaven. He saw Jesus after Jesus ascended into heaven. And it was at a place called the road to Damascus. And we'll talk about that momentarily. But I, I want you to see that the way Jesus revealed himself to Paul parallels your life 
and the way Jesus is revealing himself to you. So the title of this message is Your Road to Damascus. Your place of encounter. Your place of revelation. Because when we read scripture, we, we sometimes believe that the saints were so distant and so different, but they were so much like us. They were like us. They, they had their struggles. They had their challenges. They had their opportunities. And today, Jesus is revealing himself to you. And I want you to believe that and see that so clearly. Now, the road to Damascus sounds like this really special place because it's kind of been uh, become a myth, not really a myth, but it's become this idea of, of spiritual encounter. But it simply was one of four major roads to get to Jerusalem and, and or from Jerusalem to other places in this case. And so it would be like us saying, you know, Gallatin Road. The Lord encountered, encountered Susie on Gallatin Road. The, the Lord encountered Bill on I-65. This is, this is the type of, of description it initially was. I started thinking about different roads that, that I've enjoyed driving. And there just are some great roads. One, one of my favorite roads is the road from Phoenix to Flagstaff, Arizona. I've been on it like three times, three or four times. And, and pretty recently, uh, I was on the, the road from Phoenix to Flagstaff and going through Sedona, Guys, it's one of the prettiest places you'll ever see. I mean, it's just awesome. So it is recommended. It is recommended by Aaron Allison. Uh, put it on your, on your list. Uh, growing up, we used to drive from Dallas to San Antonio frequently. My, I grew up in Dallas, and my grandmother, she was in San Antonio. So we would go there all the time. And I, I always loved I-35. I've heard today it's, it's a maddening highway. It's like, it's like bumper to bumper on a Tuesday. But on I-35, like I knew that route. I knew that once we got to Waxahachie, we had left Dallas. I knew that in Hillsboro there were kolaches because that's where the Germans had been. And, then, and those things were really great. And then you got to uh, God's favorite city. Well, third favorite city, Austin, Texas, where the Texas Longhorns were. And you'd see the stadium and you would see the Texas Capitol, which is, by the way, bigger than the Capitol in Washington, right? And then you're in, you're in the hill country. You're moving towards San Antonio. You have these markers along the way. In recent years, we've, we've really enjoyed the drive to Chattanooga. We, we go to Chattanooga for a lot of different reasons, uh, mostly because my daughter is finishing school in two weeks at Cleveland. So she's been there for four years. And what a drive, man. When, when I do the Mon Eagle deal, like I never get used to that. Like it is being from Texas, Mon Eagle, I feel like I'm in Europe or something. I'm like, this is awesome. I still, I'm just like excited. We're, we're at Mon Eagle. Here we go. And then, then it feels so dangerous going down. Like, like my life's on the line. Help me Lord. So it's just an exciting little, uh, a little bump in the road, I guess, a huge bump in the road. So we have all of these, these places, that these roads that become familiar to us. And this familiar road for Paul is where Jesus encountered him. And he encountered him, and it was transformational. I want to give you four or five observations about this passage in Acts 9 today. But the first one is going to be unusual. It's going to be an unusual phrase, but it's going to really be something you remember. Is, is It was the phrase persecuting Jesus. I want to jump right into this because this jumps out to me in this passage, this phrase about Jesus being persecuted. Let's go to Acts chapter 9, starting with verse 1. 
Now Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. And he went to the high priest and requested letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any men or women who belonged to the way, he might bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he traveled, he was nearing Damascus. A light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Just in case you don't know, Saul is another name for Paul. He went by both Saul and Paul. Who are you, Lord? Saul or Paul said. Look at this. I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting, he replied. So we see some of this story in verse 1 of of how Saul, Paul, and we'll just stick with Paul going forward, was overseeing the persecution of Christians, and he was endorsing that, and he was enabling that. And so we know this, that through the teachings of Jesus, what we do for others, whether good or bad, we're doing it unto the Lord. He said, what you've done for the least of them, you've done unto me, whether good or whether, whether bad. And so this attention-grabbing encounter, Paul said, Paul heard Jesus say, you're persecuting me. You're, 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 you're persecuting me. You're not just impacting the people I love. When you do that, you're impacting me too. I want this to settle in your heart because I have a very point. There's something very pointed I want to tell you about this, but I want us to understand it fully. Now we're going to go all the way to Acts 26 because Paul tells this same story to King Agrippa. And back in those days, they had lots of different rulers, like layers, kind of like we would have a president, a governor, uh, on down to the mayor. This was, this was certainly the case uh, in the time of Paul. So years later, this is years later, he is at a crucial, com- having a crucial confrontation with political power, and he retells the story of Acts 9, but he gives us some more details. Starting in Acts 26, verse 12, I was traveling to Damascus under these circumstances with authority and a commission from the chief priest. King Agrippa, while on the road at midday, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun shining around me and those traveling with me. We all fell on the ground and I heard a voice speaking to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now look at this, this really odd phrase to us that was not in Acts chapter 9. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Isn't it interesting that he gives either more information or more interpretation all of these years later? We kind of do the same thing with our stories, don't we? And, and we, we sometimes tell our stories in a way for the recipient to receive. King Agrippa was, was no doubt trained under Greek scholarship. So under Greek scholarship, they would be aware of this proverb, kind of this little saying. And the saying is, it's hard for you to kick against the goats. Well, not many of us know what a goat is, but what, what a goat is, it's an instrument that tries to get a stubborn animal to move. And so it like pokes the animal kind of like an our Achilles heel. You can imagine like, get going, get going. But, but the, the animal, the ox, most, most likely, being stubborn, would kick back against the very instrument that was prodding it forward. How many know that's a bad combination? If you have something designed to push you forward and you're kicking back, to, back against it, 
It's going to cause you more pain. It's going to cause you more harm. This proverb, as proverbs do, as, as colloquialisms do, they, they, they give us even more truth and more depth. And it says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the goats. It's like you're, Jesus was saying, in essence, you're, you're resisting me. And every time you resist me, it's making things worse for you. It's a stubbornness. It's a stubbornness that causes harm. And I want you to understand that this is where many of us have been with Jesus. We have an obstinate position against Jesus. And the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, it's just, it's just like pricking us forward. Like, like the, just like trying to move us forward into the will of God. And we're taking our legs and we're kicking back as hard as we can, as if we can overcome the instrument. But when we kick back, we actually harm ourselves worse. And, and I want to speak now to this term persecution, because this is where I believe the Holy Spirit wants to speak to many of you who are listening to this sermon right now. There is a, a popular sentiment in, in culture. It's been around for well over 150 years, but many Christians think it's new now. And the sentiment is this, is to try to just tear down the faith, tear down belief in scripture, tear down the supremacy of Christ, tear down the claims of Christ. You may have even heard the term deconstruct, and that's, I've heard that term for dec- you know, two or three decades now, but now it's a cool term to use. And, and this idea of deconstruct is like tear down your faith The hope is to build it back. But the problem is there's not a whole lot of building back. There's just a whole lot of tearing down. And within this process, there is an arrogance and haughtiness that wants to bring other people's faith down. Like, let me belittle your faith in Christ. Let me belittle your your simple childlike faith that Jesus has called us to live in. Let, Let me undermine... The very principles that have, have, have impacted not only your life, but most of the culture that we're part of. And I want to say this with, with as much love as I can, because I believe the Holy Spirit's in this moment right now. Some of you, the Lord is saying, Jesus is saying to you, you are persecuting me. You are persecuting me. It's not as simple as you just saying, hey, I'm rejecting my faith. You are actively trying to destroy the faith of your family. You're actively trying to destroy the faith of your friends. You're taking uh, what you see as earthly wisdom and, and you're packaging it in a way to undermine people's faith. And the Lord loves you. The Lord loves you despite of you working against his, his, his plan for people's life. And I believe he's saying today, if he could call your name, he's saying, why, why are you persecuting me? Why are you undermining who I am? You see, this, my friends, this this story about the road to Damascus is not as distant to us. I'm talking about Saundersville Road. I'm I'm, I'm talking about Indian Lake Road. The, The Spirit of God is wanting to encounter and say, why are you persecuting me? Why are you kicking against the goad in your pride. You're, you're saying, I'm resisting God. I'm kicking back. I'm kicking back. But every time you kick back, more pain is coming into your life. So 
I believe the Lord, the Lord is grabbing your attention today. And this message, this sermon, this thought is your light. It's your voice. I know it's my voice, but it's the voice of the Lord. Hear the voice of the Lord today. The voice of the Lord, just like Paul told Agrippa, the voice of Jesus came to me in a language. It came to me in Aramaic. I'm speaking to you in English with a slight distinctive Texas drawl, right? And, and I'm saying, it's the Lord saying this. Why, why do you persecute me? Why do you resist? Why do you kick back? Why, why do you damage yourself? So hear the word of the Lord today. Here's the second observation from this passage. Then, this is, this is on the road to Damascus. He was overwhelmed by Jesus. Overwhelmed by Jesus. As he was traveling and was nearing Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? We've already read this portion, but I intentionally had us read it again. I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting, he replied. But get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men who were traveling with them stood speechless, hearing the sound, but not seeing but, not, but seeing no one. And Saul got up from the ground and through his, though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they took him by the hand and they led him, to, led him into Damascus. He was unable to see for three days and did not eat or drink. I see here that, that this is that power of confrontation, the power of conviction. What a gift it is to be convicted of our sin. What a gift it is when our, we're blinded and we're stopped in our foolishness. And it can come in so many ways. It can come through a, a coffee with a friend. It can come through a church service. It can come from a lyrics, from Christian poetry. Mostly we know Christian poetry through music. It can come through a child's love. But something that stunts you, something that knocks you off, off balance, something that impedes the path of destruction. Guys, this is the grace of the Lord. And sometimes the Lord, the Lord hits us hard with conviction, hits us hard with this realization of our sin. He hits us hard with our foolishness and our pride. You know, our pride says, oh, I don't want that to happen. But it's his love that, say, that, that grabs us. An encounter with Jesus may stun you. It may jolt you. But Jesus impacts you. And Jesus transforms you. Hey, I'm here to remind you of something. Our Jesus isn't, isn't safe. He's transformational. And in that transformation, we get the security and safety that we need. Because his love is good. Here's the third observation. Restored by Jesus. Jesus doesn't just knock us off our horse or donkey. And let us just lay there in the mud blinded. He restores us. Look at verse 17. And and this whole portion in Acts 9. We're skipping over the story of Ananias. Which is another sermon. It's another. uh, There's so many great things in that part of Acts 9. But going down to verse 17. Ananias, who was a believer that God had called to minister to Paul, went and entered the house 
And he placed his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, which is a powerful statement, by the way. That's not just, you know, we got used to just saying, hey, bro, Brother Tom and, and, and Brother Bill. No, this was like an affectionate term, Brother Saul, like you're in the family. You're, you're one of us, even though you've been killing us in an appropriate word. But now, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus. Could you imagine uh, the church welcoming Vladimir Putin or welcoming Kim Jong-un? I'm saying, because of Jesus, you're forgiven. You're a brother. It's hard to even conceive that, isn't it? Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road you were traveling, he sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. At once, something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Praise God for baptism. Every Christian in in the Bible was baptized. Hey, why aren't you yet? Just saying. Just saying, find me a Christian who wasn't baptized in the Bible. May 22nd. There was a thief on the cross, but that was a special circumstance. (laughs) He got up and was baptized, verse 19, and after taking some food, he really was a Christian then, wasn't he? It's time to eat. It's 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 time to eat after church. And taking some food, he regained his strength. Jesus touches our body and he touches our spirit. And there's restoration from the Lord. You know, we've been praying for people to be healed around here. And there's some really great stories about that. But but I had this thought today. Because here, Jesus touched the blindness in Paul. And immediately scales went, you know, were removed from his eyes and he was able to see and walk around. But what if Paul would have said, oh, thanks for the healing. I'm going to go back persecuting the church. Which was more important? Jesus heals the body and spirit. But I want to say this. What good is it if Jesus heals your body if you don't let him heal your spirit? So we can become so fixated on healing physically, and it's a very earthly perspective that we don't allow the Lord to heal us emotionally and spiritually and heal us from the most important, most damaging attack. It's sin. Sin's the most damaging attack. So Paul was converted. I'm emphasizing here not his healing, though I remind you Jesus cares about your physical being, but I remind you of the spiritual healing. Here's the, the third, or is it the, the fourth? Which one? Fourth. Placed by Jesus. I love this. After, after the persecution and after the encounter and after the restoration, there was a placement by Jesus. He was placed in the community. He was placed in the family of God. He was placed in the church. Isn't that great? Let's look at verse 19 again of Acts 9. And after taking some food, I'm reading this again intentionally, he regained his strength. And Saul was, the disciple, Saul was with the disciples in Damascus for some time. I think that's really important, the relational component. He was known by the church. He was, he was involved with what the Lord had established. 
Immediately, immediately he began proclaiming Jesus in the synagogue. He is the son of God. And all who heard him were astounded and said, Isn't this the man in Jerusalem who was causing havoc for those who called on this name and came here for the purpose of taking them as prisoners to the chief priest? But, but I love verse 22. But Saul grew stronger and kept confounding the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. He grew stronger. Why? There are many reasons, but one of these reasons that are obvious, he was in the community. He was in the family. He was in the church. He was in relationship. He was in people. Isn't it great that Jesus took somebody who was persecuting the church, convicted them, encountered them, restored them, and placed them in the community? Now, I don't know about you guys, but I can see myself in that. And I hope I, you can see yourself too. I want to I pray with you. Let's, let's pray here for, for a moment. Let's just ask the Holy Spirit to do his work here. I, I feel like I know this in my heart, my spirit, that some of you are persecuting Jesus instead of submitting to him. Why? Why are you persecuting me? Why are you trying to undermine the work of Jesus instead of submitting to his supremacy and his revelation? And I want, want you to hear this. The Lord loves you. The Lord loves you so much. And you're not far from the kingdom of God. Some of you have identified yourself as too far away. But the Lord has reminded you through Paul's story today. You're not far from the kingdom at all. In fact, God is preparing your community and God is preparing someone like Ananias. We didn't talk about Ananias, but simultaneously, why you are being encountered by this word from the Lord. Somebody is being prepared to be your advocate. Someone's being prepared to be your brother and your sister. Someone's being prepared to lay hands on you so that you would be healed. The scales are coming off in Jesus' name. The scales are coming off your eyes in Jesus' name. The blindness is coming off in Jesus' name. I just speak that truth over you. I pray in Jesus' name that you begin to see what you haven't seen in recent years. I pray in Jesus' name that you begin to see what others haven't seen. Some of you, you have siblings that just Jesus has come easy for them. And they've always just had this great uh, affection for Jesus. They've had this great great ability to connect with Jesus and it's been a struggle for you. It's been hard for you. It's been difficult for you. You've had questions. The Lord, the Lord loves your questions. He's given you those questions, not because there's something wrong with you, but because you're a deep thinker. You're one who analyzes. You're one that is not easily gullible. You're one that the enemy cannot take out easily. But because of that, there's been a stubbornness to submit to the Lord. Can I just tell you, submit to the Lord. Submit to the Lord. Don't kick against the Lord. Instead, let the Lord prod you forward in his will and purpose. And you're not far from the kingdom of God. He'll begin to make up the years that are lost. 
Some of you are sitting in regret because you're saying, man, the last 10 years, the last three years, I wish I would have been more involved in church. I, I wish I would have been using my gifts. I wish I would have been more positive about the things of the Lord. And there's a sense of regret on you. And, and listen, that regret is part of the Lord's conviction, but that regret doesn't stay in the room today. That regret doesn't go past this sermon today. In the name of Jesus, the Lord is saying that godly sorrow leads to repentance. And he says, turn to me, spurred on by the call of God, spurred on by the Lord who's prodding you forward. We're not going to kick back against the will of the Lord. We're going to step into the will of the Lord. We're not going to damage ourselves anymore by persecuting the Lord Jesus. We're running after the Lord Jesus and we're going after him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And this is the word of the Lord for you today. So I want to just give you a a chance to respond. I want to assure you that that if you're here, if you're here um, at CIL today, that no one can see you on the camera. We don't we don't have a, a, a camera on people here. So this is just a, a chance for you to respond to the Lord today. And here in a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if the Lord's speaking to you today. If you're one of those and you're saying this word was for me, I've been persecuting the Lord by kicking against His will. I've been undermining. I've been persecuting the church by trying to attack the premise of the church and I want today, I want to walk in repentance. I want to use the intellect the Lord has given me. I want to use the ability to analyze and the ability to reason not for destruction but to pursue the things of the Lord and I'm going to ask you here to raise your hand as a sign of faith that the Lord's working. I'm just going to ask that people stay in a prayerful posture because this is between individuals and the Lord. I just want to be a witness to that. So to your right, if you're in the far right section of where you're sitting. You're right. That's you. Just raise your hand real quick. Raise your hand. Thank you. Anyone else in that far right section? What are these middle two sections? Does anyone say the Lord's convicted me? Thank you. Anyone else in these middle two sections that the Lord's convicted me today? There was one far right, one in this middle two sections. Anyone else in these middle two sections today? What about in the far left section? Just raise your hand real quick. Raise your hand if that's the Lord. The Lord's convicting you today. If there's anyone in the far left section here, anyone Okay, Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for this this word from you today out of Scripture. Thank you, God, that in Paul's story, we can see our story. And, Lord, we respond to the greatness of who you are.